felt like God has been speaking to my heart all morning is the word awaken. And I believe this, I believe that God wants us to awaken to the reality of who he is. For some people in here today, that's maybe for the first time that you would awaken to the reality of God, that God is here, God is working, God is among you, among us, he's with you. My prayer is that if that's you today, that you would come to that reality, that you would open your heart to receive what God wants to put in you. For some of us, we need to awaken to the reality of God's presence among us, that he's faithful that we're two or three gather in his name, he is faithful to be there. And we need to awaken to what the reality is, the greatest reality is that God is among us, God is with us, God is here. And he's not here uh, just to be, be our, be beside us or to be in us. He's here to work through us. He's here to move in us and do a work in us that only he can do and then do a work through us that only he can do. He's here to help us overcome the things that we're facing, the obstacles that are in our way, the things that have come against us. He's here to help us overcome those things. And today I want to encourage you with that. There's a very real God. He's very present right now. And if we'll open our hearts to him, he'll do something in our lives like we've never seen before that you don't have to walk out of these doors today the same way that you walked in, but you can walk out of these doors different because you met with the living God, the God of the universe who changes hearts and changes lives and changes our past and gives us new life. So today I wanna to encourage you to do that, to open your hearts and to realize the reality of God, to awaken to his reality in your life. We're gonna start a new series today called Faith and Fear. And we're going to take this series out of 1 Samuel chapter 17 where David fights Goliath. We're going to be looking at different things throughout this series. But today we're going to begin in verse 20. And we're going to see here where David has come to uh, the, the battle lines. He has been with his father shepherding his sheep. And his father sent him to his brothers who were on the battlefield with some supplies. And we're going to see David now coming into the picture, bringing the supplies to the battle lines eventually to see Goliath and what Goliath was doing as he came out and taunted the Israelites. And so I want to begin reading in verse 20. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. He said that they, he comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Verse 26 says, David asked the men standing near him, what is it that will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and who removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and your power and your life that you give us, God. I pray right now that we would open our hearts to receive what you have for us. God, as we face obstacles in life, Lord, today, that we would be able to come at them not in our own strength, but in your strength. 
God, would you open our eyes to see the way you see, to embrace obstacles that are in front of us, to realize that you're able to overcome those. And God, that we would step in faith as you lead us. We love you. We thank you and we praise you today for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to say real quick, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there today. We're thankful for you. Can we give them a round of applause celebrating them? Awesome uh, thing to, to be a mother, but it's awesome to have a mother too and appreciate mine and all she's done for me. So um, I want to say that first and foremost. Second thing I want to say is this. How many of you have ever been in a position where you say that you, were, you could describe it as having been frozen with fear, like you were so scared, you literally froze. Anybody ever experienced that? It's that, it's that scared like that, that you just, you think like you're going to die right there. Your heart just skips a beat. You think you're going to die. You probably wet your pants just a little bit, but you don't tell anybody. And, and it's that scared, right? Um, and and my, my middle son, Jackson, when he was younger, he used to just love to scare us. He would hide behind a corner and we walk by, he'd jump out and scare us. And I was always afraid I was just going to punch him right in the throat, right, when he did that one day. And and get carried off. So, but anyway, it's uh, it's some it's an incredible thing to be so scared that you literally freeze. Um, and and this is what we see with the Israelites right here. Um, as we look at verse 24, it says in there that whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. They fled from him in great fear. They were literally paralyzed. They were running from this man. They were so scared they couldn't do uh, battle with this guy. He was he was intimidating them so badly. And I feel like today that there are people in here who you've got an obstacle that you're facing. You've got a challenge that you're up against that, that is bigger than you, that you feel like is so huge that you uh, maybe can't overcome it. And we all face challenges and we have our own obstacles. For some of you, it might be uh, something to do with your job or with your marriage or with your family. It might be your health. It could be a number of different things. But today, my prayer is that by the end of this service, we'll get to a place where God has spoken to our hearts and he's moving us beyond those things, that we're seeing them in a different way. And we're moving beyond those things and allowing God to work in those things and work in our hearts. God may not change the circumstance today, but he can certainly change us in the middle of the circumstance. Amen. And so I want you to be able to get that today and us be able to walk in that today. See, the fear of the obstacle of Goliath had really uh, taken away the, the Israelites' uh, ability to function as normal. And fear does that oftentimes with us, and the obstacles in our life can cause that kind of fear to be in our lives. It can take us away from the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to produce in our lives. It can take us away from the love and joy and the peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things can be robbed from us. Satan will come and rob those things from us if he can get us into a place of fear, a place of fearing our challenges and our obstacles more than we are aware of the presence of God. And so today I want to talk about how we overcome fear of those obstacles. How do we overcome the obstacles in our life and not let them put us in a place where we are frozen with fear? The first thing I want you to see is that you've got to see it the way God sees it. We've got to see it, okay? We've got to see the obstacle the way God sees it. If you look here in the scripture, David sees this battle in a different context than everybody else. Everybody else sees it as verse 25 says that he comes out to defy Israel. He comes out to defy Israel. They're seeing this as the Philistines against the Israelites. They're thinking army against army. But when David looks, he says this. He says, who is this Philistine that he should come out and defy the armies of the living God? 
And so he sees it differently. He sees this battle as the battle belonging to the Lord. He sees it as, as not the Philistines versus the Israelites. He sees it as the one true God against the Philistines and their false gods. And he sees this as a disgrace to God that, 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 that this Philistine's coming out and taunting them. So he sees it in a different context. The first thing I want you to be able to see is I want you to be able to see your obstacle in light of God. Because here's the thing I believe, if you can see the obstacle clearly through, uh, through the lens of God and not through the lens of your experience, then you can begin to see how big God is in comparison to how small the obstacle is. Uh, yesterday, my, my little one, Reed, he's six years old, he, uh, he, he was losing a tooth. His tooth was, was coming out. It was so loose, it was hanging down like about an eighth of an inch lower than any, all his other teeth. I mean, it was that loose, like you could have just went, Doop, and it would have fallen out. But Reed had a napkin, and he walked around literally for two hours crying, holding on to the tooth, like holding it in place because he was so afraid it was going to hurt when it came out, and he, he didn't know what it was going to be like. And Susan and I kept telling him, if you'll just let us pull it, Reed, it'll be over. If you'll just deal with it, it'll be done. If you, I promise you, it's not going to hurt at this point. It's not going to hurt. Just, just pull the tooth out. Let us pull it out. And he just kept crying, and he never would. And finally, he pulls it out wasn't that bad, it was all over. But for two hours, he walked around crying because of this tooth. And, and of course, driving us bonkers in the midst of his crying for two hours. And so, but he wouldn't let us deal with it. He couldn't see it the way we saw it. He was, he was fearful and he wouldn't see it how we saw it. We knew this was something that we could just take and in one second, it's done, it's over with. But I feel like we do that with God sometimes too, that we come to places in our own lives where we're not seeing things the way God sees them. We're not looking through the lens of God. What we're doing is we're looking through the lens of our experience and, and letting our experience define how we respond to the obstacle or how we respond to the challenge. I borrowed these glasses from uh, Bo Fordham, who preached last week, and when I put them on, I realized how blind he actually is because I, I can't even make out your face like right here right now. And so I borrowed these, though, because I wanted to make a point with you that so many times we don't see through the lenses of God. What we do is we see through the lens of our experience. And what happens is our experiences begin to define how we relate to everything around us and everyone around us, how, how we see the obstacles in our lives and how we face those obstacles. Because when things come against us, say it was the loss of a job, write that on there. That's one thing on the lens. Maybe it was abuse in your past, write that on the lens. Maybe it was something with your children, write that on the lens. Maybe it was something in your marriage, we can write that on the lens as well. Anything that you can think of that, is, that has shaped your, your view of life and your view of God, we can write on these lenses. And the thing is, though, after you write on the lenses, what, the only thing I can really see, I can't really see anything out of these glasses except the things that are written on the lenses. I can see the black marks on the lenses. And so the thing that happens with us is those experiences right on our lives, right on the lenses that we see life through, and all we can see are the experiences we can't see the way God uh, wants us to see. But I believe this happened for David. David had had his own experiences in life that could have caused him to see things differently. But the reason he was able to see the way God saw is because of his relationship with God. He was able to see things differently because his relationship with God brought clarity to, to, to the situation. 
And so he was able to see how big God is. I believe that David, as a shepherd, being out under the stars every night, was able to look at God's creation and see the stars and see the moon and, and to see the sunrise and see all of God's creation. He was able to experience um, delivering these sheep from the mouth of, of, of a lion or a tiger um, or a bear or whatever it might have been that came against them. And so he was able to experience how big God is. And I feel like it was God's relationship or David's relationship with God that brought clarity to this situation. He knew how big God is. And here's the thing I want you to see. If we can remove the lens of experience and we can begin to see how big and how good and how amazing God really is, then the situation and the circumstances and the challenges that we face become very small because God is so much bigger than the things that we face, than the obstacles that are before us. Even the worst things that we face in our lives, God is bigger than those things. And here's the thing I want you to know and I want you to understand about this is that God will either move the mountain that you're facing, the obstacle that you're facing, or God will bring you through the obstacle that you're facing. He'll bring you through the mountain. He'll bring you over it. He'll, he'll take you through it. But he's going to do one or the other because that's how good he is. He's going to bring you through it or he's going to move it one or the other. If you think about God and how he often fights his battles is through us, right? So we need to be able to see clearly how big God is. We need to be able to have a relationship with God that defines our life, not our experiences defining our life. Because God often fights his battles through us. And if you look at a lot of the people in the scripture, you see that God will often use us to overcome our own obstacles. Think about David and Goliath. David overcame the obstacle he was facing. You think about Moses and Pharaoh. Moses was used to, to, to overcome Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. Think about Gideon and the Midianites. You think about Joshua, or, um, Joshua and Jericho. And you see these things, these, these, these times where God uses his, his people to overcome their own obstacles. And I believe that God wants to do that with us. He wants to either remove the obstacle or bring us through the obstacle, but either way, giving us victory over the obstacle. The thing I want you to see in this too is to understand that the victory is already yours. We simply have to walk in it. Jesus has already done everything we need for victory in life and in eternity. The only thing we have to do is walk in what God's already given us. We say it all the time, but we're not fighting for a victory. We're fighting from a victory. It's already there. We just have to be able to see it the way God sees it. And I would ask you this question. What if the problem for us today is that we're running from the very thing that God wants to use to set us free? What if we're running from the very thing that God wants to use to set us free? Maybe we should see, I heard someone pray this this morning, but maybe we should see not just an obstacle in our way, but an opportunity. That God wants to show us how big he is, how good he is by moving us through this obstacle or moving this obstacle out of our life, but giving us victory over it. So we need to see it not as just an obstacle in our life, but as an opportunity for God to show us who he really is. But we've got to see it the way God sees it. Second thing we need to do is we need to embrace it because it's real. We need to see it how God sees it, but we need to embrace it because it's real. So many times we try to rationalize obstacles away in our lives. We try to, try to look at things and pretend that they're not there. But David embraced the fight. If you look at verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Your servant will go fight him for you. 
And so what he's doing is embracing the obstacle. All the others are running from the obstacle. David's embracing it. You see a trajectory in David's life that he was always running towards the battle. He was always running to the fight. He was always running towards the obstacle. And he would embrace the reality of it. See, David didn't look at Goliath and think, he's not that big, right? He didn't say that. He didn't say Goliath's not that big. Goliath was huge. He was a big man. But David was seeing him in light of God. And David was embracing the challenge, not running from the challenge. He was embracing what was in front of him. Some of us need to admit that the obstacle there is real. In our marriages, some people, we need to admit that we've got challenges that need to be dealt with. In our parenting, we need to admit that there's some challenges that need to be dealt with. In our jobs, we need to admit there's some obstacles. We need to admit when things aren't right so that we can then be used by God. God can come into that situation and begin to make it right. But we've got to embrace the fact, embrace the obstacle, embrace the reality that things are not good. Listen, it doesn't do any good for you to put on a perfect face when all hell's breaking loose in your marriage. You need to come to a place of recognizing what's going on and taking a step of faith to to do something about it. Believing this, believing and seeing it the way God sees it, and believing this, that if I embrace it, God's going to either move it or bring me through it, one or the other. He's going to move that obstacle, or he's going to bring me through the obstacle that's in my way. And so we have to embrace it. We have to come to a spot of, listen, recognizing our own limitations, but also looking to the ability of God. Recognize your own limitations, but also look to the ability of God. As you embrace the obstacle, realize that God is able to move it. Which brings us to the next thing is we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it because it's possible. It's possible. Once we see it the way God sees it, we embrace it and the reality of it, we've got to come to a place where then we begin to believe it, that we believe that God is able to move that mountain, that God is able to bring me through the circumstance, that God is able to bring me through the obstacle, that God is able to bring me through whatever it is that I'm facing, whatever it is that I'm fighting, whatever it is that the challenge is facing me. He's saying that I can bring you through it, I will bring you through it, or I will move it, one or the other. But we have to believe it and come to a place that, We see, and listen, in verse 33, listen to this. Saul replied to David after he says, I'll go fight him. Listen to what Saul says. He says, you're not able. (laughs) Have you ever been told you couldn't do something, right? Not like discipline, but I'm talking about somebody just said, "You, you can't do it. This is what Saul's saying. He's saying, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But, but, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Again, David saw it differently. And he says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. I love this because Saul says, you're not able. You're not able, David. You can't do it. But then David didn't believe that because David believed in the God who rescues. 
David believed something greater. He had a greater reality than what Saul could see. Saul was trying to speak death into this situation, defeat into this situation. But David knew the God who rescues. He knew the God who had rescued him from the bear, from the lion. He knew the God who had saved him out of those situations. And he knew that even though this giant was big, this giant was bad, he knew that this thing wasn't going to defeat him because God had already given him victory in those other situations. God would give him victory in this as well. So David was in a place where he was stepping towards what he knew he needed to do. Listen, you got to be willing to keep stepping towards the obstacle, even when people say it can't be done. We got to believe the word of God is true that says all things are possible with God. And we need to step in faith. We need to step and do what God's telling us to do. If I, listen, if I had listened to everybody that told me we couldn't plant a church, we couldn't start a church, we shouldn't start a church, we didn't need a church, if I'd listened to everybody's voices, we'd have never started a church. Listen, if I'd listened to all the people who told me I wasn't good enough, I didn't preach good enough, I didn't read enough of the scripture, I didn't, you know, have enough time with God, I didn't do, I didn't, 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 I didn't preach the gospel, I didn't, I preached the gospel too much. If I'd listened to all of those things, we'd have never done anything. We've got to come to a place where we listen to God's voice, drown out all the noise, and do what God tells us to do. And so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta awaken for one thing. Y'all look really sleepy out there today. I'm preaching my guts out as best as I know how, and y'all are looking at me like I'm up here with rabbit ears on or something. And, and the reality of it is, we need to awaken to who God is and believe it. We gotta believe what God wants to do. Listen. In order for God to do something supernatural in your life, he, simply, he has to do something that's unnatural or illogical, right? To do something supernatural, it's not just doing natural things. It's got to be something that's illogical. But the obstacle to us believing God so many times is logic. Here's the truth. If you can't check your logic at the door from time to time and following God, you'll never do what God wants you to do because God's not always logical. It wasn't logical for God to take a roofer out of the roofing business to plant a church. But God knows better than I do, and God brought us to this place today. Eight and a half years later, we look back and we go, wow, that was a great plan. But when we were stepping into it, we didn't know if it was a great plan. But God does illogical things. When we decided we'd raise $3 million for one in one, that wasn't logical. Not for our church, but now we see God fulfilling this and reaching people. As we speak, people going through seminars to, to get their lives back together for, through transitional housing. People being ministered to through transitional housing. And things that God's doing through that one in one um, campaign or one in one program, whatever you want to call it that we looked at and thought it was illogical. But God does illogical things. He does supernatural things that are bigger than what we can mentally assent to, what we can understand. If we only take steps of faith when they make sense, we're never going to take a step of faith because if we can see it, we don't have to have faith for it. What we have to do is take steps of faith to do the things that we can't see simply because God says step. When he tells us to get out of the boat, we get out of the boat and we move. And listen, we got to believe it. We got to believe that God can do the impossible and I'm willing to step. We got to believe it. We, because belief, listen, belief without a response, without an action, belief without 
Obedience, that, that equals disobedience. Belief without obedience. Listen, if I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but I don't give my life and I don't surrender my life to him, then guess what? I'm still dead in my sin. I'm being disobedient to what I believe and what I know. Listen, if, I'm, if, I, if Jesus called me out of the boat to walk on the water, but I didn't step when I believed that God was calling me out of the boat to walk on the water, then listen, that's an unfulfilled potential. That's being disobedient to the command of God, to what God's telling me to do. If, if I believe that Jesus is the way to life and the way to eternity with God, and I believe that people spend eternity separated from God if they don't come to faith in Jesus, but I don't have an urgency to share Jesus with people, then that's disobedience because I'm being irresponsible. If God's put in my heart that I should be generous towards his kingdom and towards who he is and towards his church and towards his people, and I refuse to do that, then it's disobedience because I'm being a poor steward of what God's given me. And so when we put belief with something that God tells us to do, then we come to a place, if we don't do it, it becomes disobedience. It becomes something that we've got to take a step to do. Now, as we take a step of faith, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that there is something called a step of faith, and there's something called a step of stupid, right? Because you can take a step of faith that's illogical, but if you do it and you haven't discerned the will of God, then it's a step of stupid, and don't blame God when you want God to bail you out of a stupid decision. And so we need to be able to make decisions based off of discerning God's will. I want to tell you real quick how we can discern God's will for our life. The first way is we kill our will. We've got to die to our will. Our will has to die so that we come to a place where it's not my will, but God's will that we want done. We've got to come to a place where we, we die to our feelings, that we're not being driven by our feelings. Listen, feelings come and go, but, but, but God's word, it remains forever. We can't be driven by our feelings. We've got to die to our feelings. There's, there's so many times that we can't follow God based off of our feelings. We simply have to make a choice to follow him. When I was going through all the stuff with my health and felt so bad for three, to, three or four years, and it was going through all of that, there were days, listen, when I didn't feel like being faithful. There were days when I was just tired and I was worn out and I, I couldn't hardly get myself together enough to, to do the things I had to do. And it didn't feel, I didn't have goosebumps. and I didn't feel like I was, wanted to be faithful. I, I just didn't feel it. But I made a choice to do it. I made a choice to follow him. And every day we need to make a choice. It's not about feeling it. It's about doing it. It's about doing what God calls us to do. And that's the last thing I want to tell you today is that we got to do it. we got to step in faith. So we need to come to a place where we see it the way God sees it, that we embrace what's before us, that we come to a place that we believe it because all things are possible. And finally, we do it. We take a step of faith towards that obstacle, embracing the obstacle and trusting that God's going to move the obstacle. It's so easy for us to get defeated. It's so easy for us to feel like we can't, uh, can't do what God wants us to do. It's so easy for us to feel like life is even over and I, I, can't, I can't get over this hurdle. I can't get over this obstacle. And yet if there's breath in your body, then God's not done with you. There's still more that God wants to do in you and do through you. You still have a purpose of glorifying God on this earth. And so many times it's how we handle the obstacles we face that show God's glory the most. But we got to step in faith. This stepping in faith is where most God-given dreams go to die. 
Most of the things that God puts in our heart, they go to die because we never take that step of faith. We never do what God's telling us to do. We've got to step when he says step. And the obstacle to us doing this is fear. And what, there's two words that typically rob us of doing the things that God wants us to do. The, the, those two words are what if. What if? Because see, we can believe something and still think what if and not do something. We can believe something and still not take the step of faith. What we need to do is we need to come to a point where we trust God enough to take that step. And so belief plus trust equals faith. Belief plus trust equals faith. And it equals the ability then to take a step of faith. When we look at our obstacles and we look at fear because of those obstacles, fear is really just what it is, is it's, it's mistrust in God. It's that I don't trust God with this situation. I don't trust God in this way. I don't trust him. And so we have to come to a place where we are willing to not just believe, Satan believes in Jesus, Satan believes in God, but that we trust God with our life. And listen, I'm not perfect at that. I'm not, I'm not the best model of that. There are days I struggle with fear myself. There are days I struggle with anxiety myself. There are difficult days. But what I have to do is, again, I have to make a choice that I'm going to believe God. I have to make a choice that I'm going to take those thoughts that are negative and, and that are causing me to, to, to move away from God. I'm going to take those thoughts captive. And I'm going to bring them into the light of God's word. And I'm going to see them the way they really are. But I've got to step in faith. I've got to trust God. I've got to put trust with my belief so that I can take the step of faith that God wants us to take. Because if I don't trust him, I can believe it all day long. But I've got to take the step of faith. I want you to understand that you're always going to have butterflies. You, you may have, even have some anxiety when you're about to take a step of faith that God's called you to take. Or you're about to take on an obstacle that, that's in your way that, that you're facing. There's so many times there's going to be butterflies, there's going to be anxiety. There might even be fear that you feel is present as you begin to take that step of faith. Some of the greatest steps of faith that have ever been taken were taken with uncertainty. I know the ones in my own life, I've never been 100% sure on any step of faith that I've had to take. Because it's just impossible, I believe, to say, I, I got this, there's, there's no big deal, God's got this, it's going to happen just the way I say it's going to happen. I've never had that happen. Every time it's been a situation where God said step, and then I would step. And so I had to come to a place where, as I was telling you, I died to my will. I died to my feelings. Then I had to come to a place where I was willing to seek God, and I seek him through his word and the spirit, and seeing what he's saying there. And then I had to come to a place where I would pray about my circumstances and say, God, is this an open door, or is this just a door that's open? Is it something you've opened for me? Or is it something you, 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 you really want me to walk through? Or is it something that's just there? Is this a closed door or is it just an obstacle you want to bring me through? I have to pray about my circumstances. And then I have to ask myself, do I have peace about what God is wanting to do? Listen, I'm not saying do you have certainty. Are you 100% certain? What I'm saying is do you know in your spirit that I need to take this step? And even though I have the butterflies in my stomach, I can still take this step. I can still trust God in the middle of this situation. Do I have that peace? Is that speaking to my heart to take this step, to do it, to follow, to keep moving forward? And really where the rubber meets the road is when it comes time to take the step. 
And if I discern that it's God's will for me to take that step by killing my will, by coming to a place where I die to my feelings, by seeking God through his script, through scripture and his spirit, by coming to a place where I pray about my circumstances to see if God's leading me through circumstances. And then I see if I have peace about those circumstances and about what God's asking me to do. If I do those things and I know that God's leading me to take this step of faith, then I take the step of faith. But this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we need to bring it into some application in our real life. Because the thing I would tell you is, if we would apply these steps to our lives, if we would really do these things, it would lead us either to see the obstacle removed in our lives or to see God bring us through what we're facing in our lives. So that when we look at it, let's just think about marriage. If your marriage right now is, 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 is not going the way it needs to go, if things are bad, or maybe they're just not great, then we need to see marriage the way God sees it. We need to see it not just as two people living together. We need to see it as a holy covenant that God's given us, a way for us to represent the love of Christ for his church and for us to the world. And so we have to see it the way God sees it. Then we need to embrace it. We need to quit pretending that everything's okay if it's not okay. We need to go ahead and admit that things are kind of jacked up, admit that we need some help. The third thing is to believe it. I gotta believe it. It's impossible, that it's, nothing is impossible. It is possible for God to take this marriage and put it back together in such a way that it glorifies him. It's possible for God to take two individual lives and bring them together in such a way that it brings glory to him through that covenant. It's possible for God to reconcile this marriage. We have to come to a point of believing it. And then we've got to step, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to take that step of faith to do what God is telling us to do. Take that step of faith to go see a counselor, go get help, ask for help. Take a step of faith and begin the process of forgiving, of, of making a choice to forgive because forgiveness isn't always a feeling. It's, it's a choice, a choice to forgive. Um, I think about that with Susan all the time in our marriage. She has to make a choice to forgive me all the time. You know, she's a lot better at that whole thing than I am. And so she has to make a choice. She, she chooses so many times to, you know, forgive, to move on. We've got to be willing to do that and to wipe the slate clean because we realize this. We realize how much Jesus has forgiven us. So how can I hold something against someone else in light of what he's forgiven? We have to come to a place of doing it, taking a step of faith to love my wife as Christ loved the church, to respect my husband the way the Bible says I should respect him in Ephesians 5, to take a step of faith in that area. What about addiction? People who are addicted maybe to pornography or maybe addicted to drugs, prescription drugs or whatever it might be that you are struggling with. You gotta see it the way God sees it. You gotta see it in light of who God is. That it is an obstacle and it's a, a tough one, but God's bigger and God's able. He's able to deliver from that just like he's able to deliver David from the mouth of a lion or the mouth of a bear. He's able to deliver you from addiction. He's able to do that. And we need to see it in light of who God is and in light of what God wants to do in our lives. And understand that God's not fighting against us in this. God's fighting for us. He wants us to be set free from this. So we have to see it the way God sees it as an obstacle to us becoming like Christ. And so we see it and we embrace it. 
we admit that it's a problem. We can't go through life ignoring it as a problem and, and just keep moving and, and thinking it's just going to go away. It's not going anywhere until we become intentional about it and we embrace the reality of what it is. And then we've got to believe it, that it's possible to be overcome, that God can do anything, that God can help me in this. And then we step, we step and take a step of faith and we tell somebody about it and we get help with it and we start moving in a different direct, direct direction and our trajectory in life changes because God's gotten a hold of my heart, God's gotten a hold of the situation and I begin to move in a different direction. But I get help, I tell someone, I find brothers or sisters to walk with me through it as God's bringing me healing and as God's restoring and reconciling my life to Him. How about if we... Look at condemnation. We look at condemnation and we see where, where condemnation is just ruling our life. It's just running our life. And we, we live in constant condemnation or negative self-talk to ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. No matter who we're with, maybe you feel condemnation. Maybe you feel condemnation for your past. But here's the thing I want, you to tell, want to tell you is that Jesus covered your past on the cross. Jesus covered your past on the cross. He, he, he covered that. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is what uh, Romans tells us. And so we need to understand that. We need to grab hold of it and hold on to it. And here's where we overcome condemnation is right here. I would encourage you to go, if this is something you struggle with, go look up all the verses that say in Christ. Because in Christ, you're no longer a sinner, but God has made you a saint. Not that your life is perfect, but your life in Christ is perfect. Go look up in Christ and see how many times it's used. Well over 100 times that it's used in Scripture because it's so important that we see ourselves in Christ and allow God to do it. We've got to see it that way. We've got to embrace it. We've got to believe it. And then we've got to take a step of faith to do something with it, to come to God and realize this. I want you to understand this, that as a Christian, you should experience conviction, absolutely. You should experience conviction. But condemnation is not what you should experience any longer. Conviction and repentance leads us to life. Condemnation always leads us to death. But Jesus died to take the condemnation from us. The thing I want you to see in this one is that if it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not true. Your experience may be real, but the truth that it teaches you, it's not truth. It's a little t truth. This word in this book is the big t truth. And it tells us who we are in Christ. As I was praying this week, I was thinking about how God moves us through an obstacle or he moves the obstacle, but he's faithful to do one or the other as we lean and press into him as his children. I was thinking about this, where do I see Jesus? in this text because Jesus, he's really all over this text and seeing how God delivered David from Goliath and seeing how God delivers us through Jesus. But I was thinking about how Jesus had his own obstacle to face. Jesus had the cross. He had to go to the cross and he had the obstacle of sin and death that he was up against. And here's the thing that I, I saw in that this week as I was thinking about it. Jesus saw it the way God saw it. He knew what was going to happen. In fact, it wasn't the nails or the thorns that were going to be on his brow that was going to cause him the most pain. It was the fact that he knew he would be separated from God for that time, separated from his Father because of our sin. 
And I thought about this, how incredible is it that Jesus was willing to be separated from his father so that we never have to be. He was separated from, from God the Father so that we would never have to be. And even if you aren't a believer in Christ, even if you don't believe in God, the thing that you've never experienced to this point is the absence, the complete absence of God in your life because He is giving you grace even as we speak. Every breath that you take is an act of God's grace, your, His undeserved favor, His undeserved love of giving you another breath. So we all experience that. And Jesus had the obstacle of the cross in front of him. But Jesus saw through the cross. He saw it the way God saw it. He knew that on the other side was joy because he was gonna be reconciling us back to God. As he took our sin upon himself, as he took death and he overcame death and the grave. And he set us free from those things. Jesus faced his own obstacle, but he saw it, he embraced it. Remember in the garden when he was praying and he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He said, take this cup from me. He embraced it. He knew what was coming. But then he came to the point where he surrendered his will. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And so he let God, God's will be done in him and through him. Because he believed it. He knew it was possible that God was going to raise him from the dead. He gave his life over so that we could have life so that we could be set free. And listen, he removed the two enemies that none of us can defeat on our own. That's sin and death. The two enemies that none of us can, can defeat on our own. He removed, he, he took them on and he won. He won. But sin and death ruled until the time of Jesus. Now, sin and death have no hold on our lives. So Jesus, through the cross, has overcome the two biggest obstacles, the only two enemies that we could never defeat on our own. Sin and death have been defeated. And God promises because of that and because we're reconciled to Him as children in Christ, sons and daughters of the King, that He will bring us through the things that we face or He'll move the mountain as we go through it. Either way, we walk in victory in Christ. We need to take a step of faith. What step of faith is God calling you to take? What obstacle are you facing that God is trying to bring you through? We need to embrace. We need to say, God, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, 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 I'll leave this in your hands. I'll, I'll take your offer to let you handle this. So we've got to come to that place of surrender. The first step is salvation. And I want to ask you today, if you've never been saved, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered your life to God, then what I wanna ask you to do today is to make that decision. Listen, we don't have to even pray about things that the Bible is clear on. If today's the day of salvation, then it's time for you to respond to that invitation that God's given you. If you've never come to faith in Jesus, you've never come to faith in Christ, Jesus has never been the Lord of your life. He's never been the Savior of your life. Today, he can be. Today you can be reconciled to God, but that only happens through Christ. If you're here and that's you today, I want you to raise your hand and say, I want Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. There's one over here. Amen.
anybody else today, you know that's your next step. That's your first step in a relationship with God is to say, I need Christ in my life. And we're going to end in this way. I want to invite you to come and to do business with God here at the altar. I want you to come and lay down the obstacle that's in front of you. Embrace its reality, but also believing that God will bring you through it or he'll move it. And I believe this. I believe you don't have to walk out of these doors the same way that you walked in, carrying that burden. I believe that if you will come and yield it to God, God will take it and God will bring you through it or God will move it. We've got to come to a place of surrendering to it. I want to, I want to pray. As I pray, I'm going to ask you that you would move, that you would move and that you would come and take a step of faith and laying that down before God. When you walk out of here and Satan tries to put it back on you, that you remember that moment. You remember that moment. Because in a moment, things can change forever when God's presence is there. So I want to invite you to come. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And, and, and you pray. And you give it to God. So I'm going to pray you move. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit. And thank you for salvation. Thank you for grace. And thank you for love and power of who you are. God, thank you that we can see things through your eyes. That when we see how big you are, the circumstances and challenges of our life become much smaller. God, I thank you that we can, can embrace the challenges. We don't have to run any longer, Lord, but we can embrace the challenges that are in front of us, God. God, I thank you that nothing's impossible with you, so we can believe it. We can believe it, God. And God, I thank you that we can have the faith when we put trust in you with our belief and we can have the faith to move. God, we thank you for that. We love you. We praise you. Jesus' name.